You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. All right. Uh, well, in Exodus chapter number 16 and verse number 1, the Bible says, And they took their journey from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came unto the wilderness of sin. That sounds like quite the place, doesn't it? The wilderness of sin. Now understand, in truth, this was just the name of the wilderness. There was nothing particularly sinful about this portion of the wilderness. But I do want to say that I believe there's a, a good application to the fact that it's called the wilderness of sin. Um, the wilderness of sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel, what's that next word? Murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. <laughs> when we sat by the flesh pots and when we did eat bread to the full, for ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill us, uh, to kill this whole assembly with hunger. <laughs> now, I want to remind you of something. This is Exodus 16. Before this time, what's preceding this by just a matter of weeks is them seeing God do miracle upon miracle in the land of Egypt, including seeing God open up the Red Sea for them to cross over safely, delivering them from Pharaoh's army. They've seen God provide water. They've seen God provide and bless them. But here they are murmuring and complaining. And you talk about a rebellious, terrible attitude that they have. Literally, they're saying, well, if God was... Well, here's what they're saying. So God just wanted us to, to bring us out to this wilderness so that we could die of hunger. And what they're saying is, if God wanted to kill us, why didn't God... I just wish God would have killed us when we were in Egypt when we had our bellies full. Now, the, the sad thing about that is the great effort that God, God's been good to these people. God has blessed these people. Yes, there's dark times. There's times when we get a little thirsty and we get a little hungry. But I'm telling you, God was good to these people. Uh, so notice what the Bible says here as we uh, continue on in these verses. Verse 4. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will reign. And I want to just pause right there for a second. Because I feel like God would have been totally justified, Eric, if he would have said, I will rain judgment down on this crowd. This ungrateful, blasphemous, rebellious people, that's what I'm going to do. But notice what the Bible says. I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. If you are among the folks that say, uh, think about the God of the Old Testament being this vengeful, vindictive God, I would encourage you not to just pick and choose a couple verses, sometimes out of context. I'd encourage you to study and get the whole context of the Old Testament. Uh, because this is the, the, the God that we see here is a God that these people are murmuring, complaining. These people could have been judged, but what, and they're hungry. And what God says instead, I will rain bread down on these people. That's the, the gracious, merciful response from God Almighty. Have you ever seen it rain bread? 
Well, I sure haven't, amen. But they, neither have they. But God said, I'm going to bring bread down straight from heaven right to these people to help fill their hunger, to help fill this, uh, this natural craving that they have inside, this necessity of food that they have on the inside. And uh, the Bible goes on to say here, verse number 5, And it shall come to pass that on the sixth day that they shall prepare that which they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather. And Moses and Aaron said unto all the children of Israel at even, Then ye shall know that the Lord hath brought you out from heaven. I'm, I'm sorry, from Egypt. Verse 7. And in the morning, then ye shall go and see the glory of the Lord, for that, for that he heareth your murmurings against the Lord. And what are we that ye murmur against us? And then verse number 8. And Moses said, This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to the full. For that the Lord heareth your murmurings, which ye murmur against him, uh, what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. And there's great principles all throughout these verses. Uh, but if you would, drop down to verse number 13. The Bible says, And it came to pass that at even the quails came up and covered the camp. And in the morning the dew lay round about the host. So here's these hungry people. God sends quails that evening, and they just literally just flew across the Mediterranean Sea, and they just fall right into the camp of Israel. And they're able to go out here and have this feast of quail, uh, which was really a delicacy during this time. And in the next morning, the Bible says, as the dew was upon the ground, the manna, bread from heaven, came down upon uh, the dew. And the Bible says there again in verse 14, And when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness, there lay a small round thing, as small as the hoarfrost on the ground, which is just a thick frost. So when they walked out, they looked, and it just looked white. It just was such a thick frost. And we're familiar with that around here, aren't we? Walking outside, just everything covered in a dense, but that's what it looked like. But instead of frost, it was bread. It was little round pieces of bread, little white round pieces of bread. And uh, the Bible says in verse 15, And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, uh, It is manna, for they wist not what it was. Now literally, it was interesting they literally come out and they say, what is it? What is it? And that's literally what manna means. Manna means, what is it? So they walk out and that's what it's named is, what is it? Because they didn't understand, what in the world is this? And, and Moses said unto them, this is bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. This thing which the Lord hath commanded, gather of it every man. Now just listen to this. You say, why are we talking about bread today? And, and what God did in the life of the children of Israel. What I want to tell you today is this has very much to do with us in this day and age. All right? You say, are you saying that God's going to rain down bread from heaven today? And I know some of you are getting upset about the whole bread thing. Hey, man, we don't need the bread. Uh, but, uh, but listen, uh, uh, but, what, but what we see here is that this is going to apply to us today. So he says, Verse 16, this is the thing which the Lord hath commanded, gather of it every man according to his eating. So everyone was to go out, if you were hungry and if you wanted to eat, you need to get your hide up and go out there and get the manna and collect it, gather it. According to the number of your persons, take ye every man for them which are in his tents. And the children of Israel did so and gathered some more, some less, 
And when they did meet it with an omer, and an omer is a measurement that's just about two quarts, he that gathered uh, much had nothing over, and he that gathered little had no lack. They gathered every morning according to his eating. And so I want to try to talk to you today about the message in the manna. The message in the manna. You know, bread, and uh, not just bread, but the thing about this bread, I'll say a couple of interesting things about it. Do you know how many uh, people there were in this congregation called the children of Israel? Uh, well, we know that there were somewhere, we know that there was at least, there was two to three million people. Quite, uh, quite possibly in excess of three million people. But God is going to send enough bread to feed them uh, for this day. But not only for this day, I won't read you the other verses about it for the sake of time. But what God does is every day for the next 40 years, God feeds them this bread. So whatever kind of bread this was, it's not maybe the kind of bread that you go out and buy at the bakery. Because this bread, the Bible calls it angel's food in fact. This bread was a heavenly bread, and this bread was able to sustain them. It was able to give them their sustenance. It was able to nourish them uh, and so that they could stay that way uh, for the next 40 years. And so there was enough for everybody, this great number of people. Uh, and what we see is we think about God's faithfulness, uh, what He did here, the way He blessed them. Now, uh, it was interesting when we think about this, again, a 4,000-year-old story, and then to ask the question, what does this have to do with us today? What does this even have to do with your earlier statements and questions about what it means to be saved? Well, up in the, in the book of John, chapter number 6, which we heard about a little bit in Sunday school this morning, in John chapter number 6, there was a miraculous thing happened. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, had a multitude of 5,000 people that were hungry. And uh, Andrew brought a little lad to him that had uh, five loaves and two small fishes. And Jesus took these loaves and he fed, the Bible says there was 5,000 men. That's not taking into account the wives and the children. So there again, there was easily in excess of 20,000 people that were fed uh, under this miracle. So Jesus feeds the 5,000 this bread. Well, what you'll find out is that the people, that was one day, the very next day here in John chapter number 6, they come back and they say, okay, Lord, we want more bread. And what you'll find out is that these people, a lot, the, the, the vast multitude of these people, listen to this very closely, they were following Jesus for what they could get out of it. They were following Jesus for what they could get out of it and get out of Him. They wanted to see the miracles, but I'm telling you, when He started preaching and when the Word of God and when He started getting to things where the rubber meets the road, so to speak, uh, these people, high, they, they turned and they hightailed it and run. Ran. Sorry, sometimes I forget how to talk if I ever learned. Amen. But anyway, what I'm telling you this morning is that there were people that were just trying to get what they could. They were, they were very religious people, but these were, we, these were people, as we'll see in John chapter number 6, who perhaps were not the most sincere. So in John chapter number 6 this morning, I want to read to you beginning in verse number 31. The Bible says that this group of people that he had fed, here's what they say to Jesus. 
the leaders of these, this group says this in John 6, 31, Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of heaven is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. What are they saying? Okay, well, the Lord fed the children of Israel uh, for the next 40 years. Evermore give us this bread. Okay, we'll follow you around if you'll feed us every day. They're kind of missing the point though. And that's a key thing. That's the, the, the key is some of this too because verse 35 the Bible says, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Uh, he that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. I'm not going to spend a great deal of time on this point, but it's very important to make this point. There's been a lot of confusion and misunderstanding surrounding the teachings in John 6 from this point on. And the, the, the problem is, is that people are coming up to a door without having a key to the door. Some, are even, some go as far as to say that Jesus is encouraging some sort of spiritual cannibalism uh, in these verses. But I want to tell you, that is not the case. And the reason we know that is because we have people coming up to the door and trying to figure out what's on the other side of that door. Verse 35, however, is the key to the door. Verse 35 is the key to the remainder of the passage to understand what he was saying. Because what he says there is simply uh, that I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. Now understand something. He's no longer talking about physical hunger here. But he's talking about spiritual hunger. And then he goes on to say, And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. So if you, he's saying if you believe on me, you'll never, but he's not talking about physical hunger. He's not talking about spiritual thirst, he's, or, or uh, physical thirst. He's talking in a spiritual sense. And so he goes on to say this. Uh, uh, verse 30, 35 goes on into verse number 36 where the Bible says, uh, But I say unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. Now if you would turn over to verse, uh, or keep in John chapter 6 and turn over to verse number 47. Then I want to try to start getting into explaining these verses. 47 down through 51. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am the bread of life, or that bread of life. And folks, I want you to understand something. In the Gospel of John, when Jesus says, I am, it's not just like me saying, I am the pastor of Elk Point Baptist Church. His I am's of the Gospel of John hearken back, number one, to John chapter number one, where the Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, speaking of Jesus Christ, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God manifest in the flesh. That's what Jesus, that's what Emmanuel means. But it goes back even further uh, to, uh, to uh, the Old Testament in the book of Exodus. If you'll remember, God uh, spoke to Moses out of the burning bush. And God told Moses, I want you to go down into Egypt and I want you to deliver and to bring out my people. And Moses looked or spoke to God through that burning bush and he says, Well, Lord, who shall I say sent me? What is your name? 
I want to be able to say to the people of Israel, here is the name of your God that's called me out of Egypt. And what did the Lord say to Moses? I am that I am. Amen. I am that I am. And listen, that's not just some kind of double talk. What he's literally saying is, I, I exist because I exist. I am that I am. I am God. I am the self-existent one. So when he says, I am the bread of life, it's a very key thing. And so the point that I'm trying to make is this, that bread from heaven, the manna from heaven, that the only thing that can truly satisfy the longing of your soul. Anybody ever watch any of the, the kid, you know, uh, kids shows or movies? Of course, I've got four children, and through the years we've watched a lot of these shows, and, and Peter Pan is one that comes to mind, or you read the books. And if you remember, one of the things that in Peter Pan they would do is they wouldn't have food, actual food, but they would imagine a feast. I mean, they'd imagine, I mean, just a, just a whole stretched out table. I mean, just full of all the, the meats and breads and cheeses and casseroles and pies and everything you can think of. And they would sit there and imaginarily eat that meat. And in the story, that was enough to fill them up. But have you ever tried that in real life? <laughs> it doesn't work, all right? Well, the point that I'm trying to make is this. If you don't eat... You're not going to be satisfied. If you don't actually ingest some food into your system, you're going to be hungry. And what I'm here to tell you today is that there's a spiritual meat, the spiritual bread that you need to receive today that if you don't, you're never really going to be full. See, every man, woman, boy and girl that's ever been placed on, the, on this planet has had a hunger and a thirst on the inside of them. There's an emptiness on the inside. And from an early age, we go about trying to fill that void with something. And you know, one of the things you know about a void is, is, is a void is just a demanding thing. You know, so someone said that, that nature abhors a void. You move a rock off the bottom of a stream, it creates a void, but not for very long. I mean, void, I mean, it just sucks stuff in. A void always is looking to be filled. Well, see, there's a void in the human heart that, listen to me today, cannot be filled with religion. In other words, you can put religion into your life and into your heart, but you're still going to be longing for something. You're still going to be hungry. You can put, uh, some of you know this well, you can put uh, uh, alcohol, drugs, uh, legal and illegal. Uh, you know, I remember a couple years ago I learned that, that, the, that, the, uh, that the, the most uh, commonly abused drugs are prescription drugs, drugs that people have been prescribed by doctors. And if you have those issues, man, get some help. I just want to say that out and out front. But the thing that you can say amen to me on is this, that although maybe a high or, you know, getting drunk or even a party of some sort, for that time, it seems like it's kind of filling that void. But you know what happens? That void on the inside of us just swallows that right up, and we're still hungry. Now, foolishly, what many of us have done in our lives, I've, I've done it, I've been there, as I think, okay, well, I'm going to go try that again. Because that seemed to fill the void for a while. 
I know in my life, and there's probably several of you the same way, what I did is I went even further, and I said, you know what? Well, this filled the void a little bit. Maybe something harder, maybe something more extreme will really fill the void. Now, if you know anything, you know that if, if, if anything at all, it seems like a greater void begins to be created. I mean, we drink, we do drugs, we do all this thing, and we're trying to fill this empty. And then, you know, the, here's the problem with a lot of people. The, then then a, a Christian comes along, a Bible believer, and they say, hey, you need bread from heaven. You need Jesus. He's the only one that can truly satisfy. But they look at us and they say, no, I've tried religion. You see, Pastor, I've been baptized, and I've made a profession of faith, and, and, and I've belonged to a church. I was raised in this, and that didn't satisfy. You know why? Because true salvation, Jesus says, is not about a religion. It's not about your works. It's not about the dots that you uh, cross and the T's that you dot. Uh, it doesn't matter. All right? Because you know, at the end of the day, that's not what it's about. It's about a relationship. Salvation is about a person. Amen. And I just got to stop and say hallelujah for the day I figured that out. Amen. Glory to God. I mean, you're looking at somebody today. I'm getting ahead of myself, but just bear with me. Uh, you're looking at somebody today uh, that uh, several years ago, I found out the truth. And I found out the reason, Murray, that Jesus died on the cross was for me, and it was for you, and for me as an individual. And I realized that it wasn't about a religion. It wasn't about me trying to give my best. That doesn't fill the void. But it was about learning that, hallelujah, Jesus gave his best. For me and for you. He went to the cross. He bore my sins. The Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. He carried my sins. See, that separates from God. So that means we're missing a very vital relationship. By the way, that's another way people try to fill the void. They try to find acceptance in varying relationships. They try to find acceptance. But I'm telling you, at the end, they still come up empty. And by the way, that's where people get into a very hopeless situation. Can I just say something really real right now? There's a lot of hurting people around us. There's a lot of people around us, I'm telling you, that have lost hope. There's a lot of people around us that are on their way to losing hope. May God help us to make a difference in their lives. Amen? Lord, help us to go out of the way and be reminded that there's a real world out there that's hurting. And praise God, we've got the message. What is it? Jesus saves. Amen. You can know Christ. Amen. You can be filled. But I learned that. And I'm, and I'm telling you, I accepted Christ as my Savior. By faith, I trusted Him. Now, I believed in Him all my life that I can recall. Just like most everybody you talk to, oh, yeah, I believe in God. I believe in Christ. But there was a day to where I put my faith in Him. And I said, Lord, please forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and life and be my Savior. And I tell you, I didn't understand everything that happened to that day. And I want to say that there's not always a lot of emotions that may necessarily have to accompany calling on the Lord in faith. But I just want to say, I didn't know a whole lot that day, but I knew pretty quick that whatever it was that I had been looking for, I just found it. Amen. And it was not in this world, and it was not in religion, and it was not in trying to be a good person. It was the fulfillment of meeting my maker. Amen. I didn't die. I mean, that's what we say to meeting your maker. Yeah, but I mean, 
being introduced to my Creator. And the Bible says Christ in you. The Bible says that He comes and takes up residence. He fills the void. He's the bread of life. He fills the longing that we have for Him. And so in the next few minutes, I just uh, the closing minutes, I just want to share some verses with you this morning about Jesus being the bread of life and some interesting parallels. Number one, Jesus said, I'm that bread that came down from heaven. So even the fact that that bread, the manna, came down from heaven is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am that bread that came down from heaven. Not only that, but as I mentioned earlier, that bread came down in the wilderness of sin. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15 says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Where did the bread come down? In the wilderness of sin. <laughs> now, I want you to know something about sin. God detests sin. Now, it's easy for us to accept and say amen that God detests the sins of others. Because sometimes we may detest the sins of others as well. But you know what? God detests all sin. My sin, your sin, anything that's opposite to Him. But, here's, but hear me clearly. God loves those who have sinned. Amen? God loves mankind. God, at the same time that He abhors sin, He eschews sin, He loves those that have sinned, which we sometimes call sinners. Amen? Who's a sinner? Anybody that's sinned. You ever sinned? Amen? You know what that makes you? <laughs> makes you a sinner. Amen? We've all sinned. But there was a God in heaven that looked down on the wilderness of sin... And he didn't say, you know what, that's all a bunch of hopeless people, that's a bunch of self-righteous people, that's a bunch of wicked, living, foul-mouthed, foul-imagination people. I, I, there's no way, I, I, I'm giving up on them. No, you know what, Jesus came down right in the middle of the wilderness of sin. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I'd like to take, I've taken some of you, I, I took Michael and he went down to North Carolina uh, with us. Uh, but I'd like to take some of you sometime down to the place where Jesus saved my soul. I hadn't told it in a while, so I'm going to tell it, amen, if you'll let me. Uh, but I, I wish I could take you to that place because I heard the gospel at a church at a funeral. Sixteen years old, I heard the gospel. Um, and there, there was something about it, but I didn't really get it. I didn't really get what was being said in, to my heart. But it was a couple, it was maybe within a week later that I was at home and Again, I'd gone back into some of the same uh, drugs and habits and partying that I had been involved with previously. And, uh, but, but there I was, and I'm telling you, man, uh, and to be just real honest with you, I, had, I, had, I was coming off of a bad trip, what they call a bad trip on LSD. I'm not proud of that, but that's where I was. And through that night, man, it was a rough, terrible night, scary night. But as that night went on, my friend looked over at me that had been raised in a church that preached the gospel, and he just simply said this. He said, I, he said, you know what we need? He said, we need to be saved. And I said, what does that mean? And thankfully, this friend of mine knew enough about the Bible to where he got out, and literally, here's what he honestly said. He's like, I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure it says something about it in the Gospel of John. So we literally grabbed his dad's a couple of his dad's Bibles and turned to the Gospel of John and just started reading. We just started reading. And as we read, I want you to know something, the Lord spoke to my heart. We were at 305 South King Street in Gastonia, North Carolina. We were in Old Mill House. 
And if you know much about this, uh, what mills would do a lot of times back years and years ago is they would put a mill there and then they, the, the mill itself would build very cheap housing, three-room houses for uh, the employees to live in. Later on, the mills started shutting down and moving on. And so then these were the neighborhoods that the poor folks either stayed in or moved into. Uh, and this is where we were at, 305 South King Street, a little three-room house. Uh, we were in a part of town that was called Greasy Corner. Greasy Corner. It was called that, uh, not necessarily in an affectionate way. What I'm trying to tell you is it wasn't the side, the, the, the side of town that you necessarily want to go to. It's definitely not a street that you'd want to go to necessarily at night, or at least an area that you'd want to go to at night. But I want to tell you, somebody who came there, Jesus did. Amen. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. Now, he didn't come there physically, don't get me wrong. But I'm telling you to think about the Lord coming to where I was at. Because you know something else about this man? It came down from heaven. It came down to the wilderness of sin. And I'm glad it just kept going down. Glory to God. I'm glad Jesus will go as far down as any soul is. You think of the lowest pit that a man or a woman can find themselves in. And I want to tell you, Jesus will go down there, amen? amen. Hallelujah. I mean, the Bible says that, uh, that, that I cried unto the Lord and he heard my voice, amen. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit and out of the miry clay and he has uh, put my feet on a, a solid rock and established my goings. He brought me out. But here's what he did. He came down. He came down to the wilderness of sin. And you know what else he did? He came right down to where the children of Israel were. That's where that bread fell. Right where they were. See, if, if religion was behind it, if man was behind it, man would have said, no, let's go put it way up on some big peak somewhere to where a man has to go on some great quest and only then can he find this manna. Oh, no, friend. God brought it right down to where the people were. Amen. And so he brought it down to the wilderness of sin. I want to say this. It came during a time of darkness. Because it came before the break of day. Luke chapter 179, the Bible says, To give light to them that sit in darkness, and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. Another cool thing, why did God provide this? He did not provide this because He looked down on this congregation. Remember what they were doing? Murmuring, complaining, belly aching, ungrateful, faithless, rebellious. God did not look down on that and say, man, that blesses me so much. I think I'm just going to bless them. I think I'm just going to fill their hungry souls. <laughs> I'm glad God looks down on a sinful world. Amen. And has grace and has mercy. He says he's come to save sinners. I like what the Bible says in Romans 5, 8. Uh, the Bible says, but God commendeth or proved his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. Christ died for us. So he uh, came on, uh, he, he, this was given in response to rebellion. The white of this manna, it speaks of his holiness. It speaks of his purity. Jesus did not become a sinner to save sinners, but Jesus came as the sinless one to bear our sins. And what salvation is, in, in a sense, you could say this, Jesus Christ came to take all of our sins in exchange for his righteousness, amen? But you've got to be willing to give your sin to him today. Uh, it was round, which speaks of eternity. Uh, the manna, you want to know something else? The manna was a free gift from God. 
the manna, uh, listen, the Bible says in Mark 2, 17, when Jesus heard it, he saith unto him that they that are whole have no need of a physician, but they that are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to to repentance. I'm almost done, but I want to say this before I do as we wrap up. The manna required a response. God did everything. God sent this down. See right there, Jesus said, I've come to call sinners to repentance. He brought the manna right outside their tent doors, Phil. But you know what they still had to do? They had to respond. They had to go get it. Jesus said, I've come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Turn to me. Turn to me. Turn from from that direction you're going. Change your mind so that your life can be changed, he's saying. I've come to call. Can I say something right here? Don't ghost the Holy Ghost. Amen. Don't ghost the Holy Ghost. You say, what is ghost? What I'm trying to say is, I just thought of that. Amen. If it's not that clever, forgive me. But... uh, just off the top of my head. Don't ghost the Holy Ghost. Ghosting is when somebody's calling you and you just look and be like, nah. Or somebody texts you and you're just like, nah, I'm good. Right? Uh, any ghosters in here? <laughs> Amen. All right, listen. But let me ask you this, this. Let me please, let me, I mean, let me just beseech you. Let me beg you. Don't ghost the Holy Ghost. In other words, when the Spirit of God speaks to your heart, say, He's calling you. See, many of you, you know what he's doing today? He's calling you. You say, oh, preacher, it feels like you're preaching straight to me. That's not really me. I'm preaching to this crowd. I'm preaching to the folks that will listen on the podcast. It's the Holy Ghost. He's the only one that can really preach to your heart. That's a call. That's a call. See, there was something that needed, there was a response. There was a needed response. It was to be received. The manna was to be received. It was to be ingested. It was not just to be admired. Admiring bread does not fill you up. Man, I can't wait. My wife made cube steak and gravy, broccoli casserole. I mean, good night. I cannot wait to get home and eat that. You say, why don't you just shut up so we can go eat then? But I... I tell you one thing I will not do, John. I am not going to go sit down at that table and just be like, honey, this looks so good. Oh, honey, you did a great job. Isn't that just wonderful? Look at it. All right, and get up from the table, then walk away. I am not going to do that, I promise you. You can look at me. I'm not going to do that. But see, that's what a lot of people do with Jesus. The bread is put down right here in front of you this morning. Jesus is calling. And a lot of people just be like, oh, that's wonderful. That's great. But that's not the kind of response. See, this was not just to be admired, but appropriated. I mean, making it a part of you. There had to be some effort from them. He's done everything, but there's some effort. It needs to be appropriated. It needs to be appreciated. It needs That bread had to be picked up and personalized. I mean, it had to be personalized. It was made, it was sent for each individual. Appropriation, mastication, assimilation. It was to be, become a part of them. 
So what, what, what did they have to do? I, I got, I, I'm going to stop, but just a couple quick things. The manna, the Bible says in, the Bible says that it was sweet. It tasted like honey. The Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I can promise you one thing today. I'm not trying to get you to taste religion, but if you can taste Christ today, if you can know what it means to know Him today, I'm telling you what, you'll find out that He's sweet. Amen? Good to the taste. I mean, I just, I'm just trying to tell you this morning that it's good to be saved. I've never regretted the day that I made Jesus a part of my life. I've never regretted the day to where I didn't just look and say, well, that's nice. But just like those Hebrews had to do, you know what they had to do? That was out on the ground. They had to come do just like this. And they had to get down there to pick it up, amen? They had to humble themselves and get down on one knee. Now, you don't have to physically get down on one knee, but spiritually speaking, that's a sign of humility. Will you get down today and receive Christ? Will you accept Him? And many of you have. And you can testify with me. Give me a witness this morning. The Lord's good. The Lord's good. Amen. Which I guess leads me to this as we all stand. Unfortunately, with, G with the crowd that Jesus preached to, there was a neglected response. See, you don't always gauge success by numbers. You know how I know that? Because Jesus Christ preached and one day, in one day, Jesus Christ went from having 20,000 members to having 12. One day. One message. Why? Because when Jesus preached these words to them, thousands of people turned and walked away. You know what? It was a neglected message, a neglected response. There's a needed response. There's often a neglected response. When did they go out and get this bread? The Bible said they had to get out there and get it early. Don't wait. They couldn't wait. Their opportunity would be gone. The Bible says when the sun came up, it would like just burn it up. It would melt in the heat. You have to do it while there's the opportunity to do it. He's like, you know what? I think I'll accept him next week. Too late. There's no guarantee of next week. You know when you need to humble yourself? You, need, you know when you need to come out? When you need to make the effort? When you need to bow down and receive Him? Right now. It was in the morning. It was early. Don't wait. With every head bowed, every eye closed, and we're going to have a prayer, and we're going to dismiss shortly. But before we do, I just want to ask you this morning, is there anybody here this morning that feels like maybe... Or perhaps certainly, Jesus was calling you today.